Office 365 Dev Podcast. Coming in live, sit back and relax with Jeremy and Rich. Coming in live, the best podcast has arrived. Jeremy pronouncing the guest names wrong. Dev.office.com. Office 365 Dev Podcast. Coming in live, sit back and relax with Jeremy and Rich. We're coming in live. The best office podcast has arrived. Yeah. Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development where Richard and I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 Developer Platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Okay, so welcome to episode 60. Who would have thought we'd have had 60 episodes within just under a year and a half of discussions around office 365 development without repeating the topic 60 weeks man that's like you know when people have babies and stuff the the part of the world the two of us don't know about they like measure things in weeks and and then they go to years and soon we're going to be talking about this is like year number six of the office 365 podcast that's right we'll be like you know what are what are the parents call them like Person number two, which means they're a two-year-old, which I'd never got up before. <laughs> and Mr. Six, as in their six-year-old child. That's right. Well, we finally got the uh, the alternate intro going this week. So <laughs> you had no clue what I was talking about, but uh, I think now now people know. I don't know what genre that was. It was somewhere in between rap and country. But the point is it made a good cut at your inability to pronounce people's names. So <laughs> The jingle was pretty funny. And yes, I didn't hear it until after we recorded last week's show. And then he forgot to send it to our producer, so he never actually got it in last week's episode anyway. Yeah. Well. But um, we did have the robotic voices pronouncing the name, so it kind of made sense. But this jingle makes way more sense. Cool. So where in the world is Waldo? Where are you, Rich? I am in San Francisco today. Uh, we're Ooh. doing a, a big roundtable with a lot of our big ISVs around the unified API. So you know, we definitely want to get feedback from the general community, but we're doing a little bit more of a a focused feedback and kind of talking them through some of the things we've done, some of the vision around it, and um, kind of get their feedback on it. So it's exciting. So you're like in sandals with open toes and wearing a baseball hat. Like, what, How do you blend in in San Francisco these days? I'm blending in my hotel room because I have material due this week, but uh, <laughs> it's certainly nice outside. Uh, I'll be in Seattle uh tomorrow night so all right get to finish my week there oh we'll have to go out for a few beers there you go so um this week's been a little less kind of busy on the blog post front i'm guessing because maybe based on your school photo of you going to school this week that um things are progressing with parents sending kids back to school and getting that all ramped up so um, but it seems like as you don't have kids you've pumped out a bunch of stuff this week yeah a lot of mine was last week but uh i did been doing a lot of samples. So one of the things we're doing in this workshop tomorrow is we're doing a lot of discussion with ISPs, but we're also doing a little bit of, uh, I would call it hacking, where we're going to try to get them hands-on with some of the development. And so, you know, I've already been doing some things with the Office Dev Show on Channel 9 around getting started. And so, you know, my life the last few weeks has been doing uh, getting started labs on almost every platform and language known to man, everything <laughs> from Ruby to PHP to Python and Node and Angular. And it's all the exact same solution. So it's pretty cool if you're you know, the type that likes to go see how the same thing is done in multiple languages. You know, That's kind of the point of this is it is 
identical what you end up with across all of those. And so you can kind of compare and contrast, hey, how easy is it to work with JSON in this platform? And how easy is it to, you know, do an HTTP post in this other one? And so it's it's a pretty cool solution. It uses the unified API to really traverse an org structure. And then it also displays files for every user that you're viewing. So it shows their manager, direct reports, and files. Yeah, that is really neat. And you've done that across a few different stacks. And I suspect you're going to complete the puzzle at some point with every single stack known to man too. So thanks for doing those ones. And for getting them on GitHub. You're a changed man, Rich. No longer do I need to go find your USB drive and steal stuff off of you to publish. So my issue with GitHub, I'll tell the world right now, is that you know <laughs> I build stuff really quick and I just get it to a point where... You know, it proves the point. I don't fine tune it. And I have a hard time putting code out on GitHub or any other place to share that isn't, you know, fine tuned. And so I'm getting over that. I'm saying, you know, I'll just mark that, hey, this is meant to illustrate this one thing. Have at it. And so, yeah, you, you tell me what you want. I'll put it out there. Right. And often it's enough to get people across whatever chasm they've got in talking to the APIs or just see an example of some call. So it is really useful from that perspective. Yep. And then um, the other big news this week, which the Twitter sphere has blown up on, is SharePoint Server 2016 IT preview and cloud hybrid search. I'm not quite sure why it's an IT preview and not relevant to devs because technically if you're a dev, you could still install it and play with it. And we don't have the documentation readily available yet on how you would configure this stuff for like true hybrid add-ins right now but um in theory once we the content team have got that stuff out again it's in preview so not everything aligns as soon as we drop a preview but um you'll be able to call the office 365 api endpoints in sharepoint server using azure ad uh, much like you do when you call SharePoint Online with the Office 365 endpoints, which is really exciting. So a consistent and, you know, I guess, approach to the APIs, both on-prem in a hybrid scenario and in in, uh, in the online in Office 365, which is cool. So if you if you raced home and set up your SharePoint 2016 server at the house? Do you know, I'm going to call someone out, and I know he listens to the show, but like Corey Roth had blog post and he'd screenshot every single screen in the wizard with next, next, next. And I used to remember when I used to get all excited about seeing those posts. And I did one one year, I think in the 2010 days I did, like setting up a dev environment for SharePoint 2010 preview. And obviously I'd been in the NDA, so I had it all anyway. And as soon as it was publicly available, I'd go and post that blog post and sit there and watch my Google Analytics creep up and see that, that there was value in sharing it i look at that stuff now and go i'm way too busy to sit there and create a vm and run the sharepoint server stuff so no that is not what i've had any time to do just now i think 2010 was probably the hardest year because you know we introduced the service applications and you know you had to be pretty skilled oh yeah in in the you know even pre-beta beta and pre-beta to get all of those up and running. And I think the best news about the whole thing is they dropped Thim from this whole bloody disaster as well. So now we don't have to worry about Thim not starting or it starting but not stopping and having to go and hit Spence Harbor's blog to save your install. Finally, it only took two major versions, you know, like nearly nine years of releases to make it happen. Yep. But um, yeah, so that's been causing a lot of energy and excitement in the community and Bill Bear has been like inundated with questions now that it's publicly shared and, and people are digging in and comparing UIs and differences between SharePoint Online and what's in this preview and 
uh, it's, it's, it's exciting. I think the best thing is, is we now have this alignment. And um, I watched Bill Berry keynote it in Seattle at SharePoint Fest, which was a really good conference, actually. We had some great speakers and content. Um, so congrats to Dave Willem and his team for that. But it was funny him promoting like features in SharePoint Server Preview. And I'm like, they've been there for so long in SharePoint Online. But you forget that people are on SharePoint Server 2013 where that, the, the bunch of these UI things just aren't in there. And so this really is a huge benefit to end users moving to 2016 and benefiting from this level of feature enhancement that has happened since we shipped 2013. And although some stuff has crept in in service packs and CUs, um, there's some major changes there that will benefit users to upgrade to 2016 for sure. Yep. And then um, the other one was the, uh, we call them DevDiv internally, but the Visual Studio team have shipped an update to Visual Studio 2015 and also with the tooling for 2013, which fixes uh, a few things. Uh, one thing we'd highlighted was the ad connected service was a little bit wobbly for Office 365 APIs. If you're using the November update of the tooling, um, we recommended you roll back to the April update of the tooling to get around that for the time being. This new update of the tooling resolves that issue. So definitely go and check that out. Nicole Brook, who's the program manager over in Sean Library's team that kind of owns all that tooling, um, posted that on the Visual Studio blog. And so it's good to get some kind of visibility outside of our circle to normal Visual Studio developers as well. So if you haven't tried the new stuff, it's really, really easy to get on board with uh, either 2013 or 2015 of this stuff, uh, connect to our APIs using our SDKs. Or, I mean, I love doing the demo of being able to build an Office add-in in two minutes inside Visual Studio. Yep. So that, that was a cool little bit of announcement. And then Stefan Cordania has gone and built a ton of stuff here on uh, the Office Graph. So much like you with your samples, Rich, he's gone away and he, he's been blogging a, a storm on how to kind of grok the JSON that gets returned from the Office Graph and and explaining like what object ID and actor ID and the tag name actually means. Like Tag name is the name of the board and object ID is the ID of the board, but actor ID is the the document that the the board is talking about. So there's a ton of like translation stuff that he's explaining, which is useful if you're just starting off with a graph. Did you have those problems as well, Rich, when you were jumping on those samples? Um, you know, when I did my first two, there was really no documentation. Uh, so it was, it was a little bit rough around the edges. In fact, it was interesting. I had someone on the product group that read my first blog post. And I did those like two days back to back. I did my first one and he was like, hey, let me show you all the actions that we actually have that are undocumented. And he gives me this huge list. There's all these actions that you had no clue they are actually capturing. And it might be some that they're just looking to do new things on in the future. But I turned around and, and leveraged some of that to do the second one. But you know what, what he's done here, Stefan's done here, is taking it a bit further with some of the, the new capabilities. So for those that aren't familiar with the Office Graph, I'm hoping... Most people have at least seen Delve, and one of the enhancements to Delve was around the concept of a board, where you could you could kind of tag topics on different articles, and they could show up on boards. And he's ultimately written a post around how you can go and find out all the boards that a document belongs to, which is kind of neat if you're, you know, it's kind of think about like people that create content and want to see where people might find it relevant. So I think it's a cool thing that he's done there yeah it's great to see people sharing like that as they're learning their stuff and then i'm gonna really really screw this name up 
Do you want Matej Vodopivk? We should have used the um, Oxford APIs to pronounce that one. Hey, I can do that. Just one moment there. So let's go, go. Let's see how it uh, does. Oh, actually, I have headphones on, so it's not going to do it for us. But we can in, we'll we'll lay it in in line afterwards, and we'll see whether he with Oxford got it right. That's right. And then lastly, but not leastly, <laughs> the Sharps SharePoint Cowboy has gone on the tearing blog storm. The word count is pretty obnoxious, and it took me. Most of my dinner time on Monday night to digest said blog. But he has done a really good job of summarizing a lot of the concerns that people have around client-side development in SharePoint, i.e. JavaScript versus server-side.net code. And also kind of defends SharePoint hosted apps as a, you know, in some cases being a real opportunity here and provider hosted apps not being that big a deal to be hosted um, on a server rather than inside SharePoint. But obviously the pains there of having to bend an IT pro's arm to get these things out the door. I will pick him up on one comment, but what were your thoughts on this one, Rich? You know, I think that Shops is a, a great advocate for, you know, the customer side of things. And so, you know, I think that he takes a, a, a good approach here. I think he takes kind of a middle ground in, in terms of, hey, I realize that if you're coming from a .NET world and you've done traditional SharePoint development for years, moving to a JavaScript land is probably not the most appealing, but it is here to stay. And, you know, if you look at, you know, I think what we're talking about today with uh, Mr. Connell is is very fitting around kind of the growing up of, of JavaScript to where it's it's even, you know, a server language now. And so, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Eric recognizes that and, and says that, you know, there's there's going to be some growing pains in kind of moving to this, but there's, there is value in, in doing it. Yeah, I will read out one sentence, but I fundamentally agree with everything he's saying here. I think he's done a very good balanced article of pros and cons on it. But he does say that Microsoft has made it clear that they preferred route is legacy .NET applications running on IIS outside of the SharePoint framework entirely which makes sense considering the company wants to sell as many Windows Server licenses as they possibly can. I, I will just fundamentally disagree with that point. We, we've made it very clear that a SharePoint provider hosted app can be any web stack it wants. It can run in Azure. It can run wherever it chooses, Amazon or Salesforce. You know, It can be anywhere it wants. I will say that, yep, naturally, Visual Studio, and it's very topical for this discussion today, has always kind of laid that path of, you know, file new projects, SharePoint provider hosted add-in and created me a an ASP.NET project, which is, you know, the mandatory there. But you can delete that project and create other web application project types there if you choose that you don't want to use that stack. It's just that that's the one we kind of start with. And um, that's just kind of the flow that Visual Studio pushes as someone new to this. Um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's SharePoint add-ins in the store that are run totally on different stacks. So it isn't a preferred route for us. It's just from a Visual Studio flow, you know, that's where we we focus on because we know that most of the Visual Studio developers are .NET developers as it stands. Andrew, did you get a chance to have a read of that? I know you've been traveling, so I'm not sure if you did or not. I guess first for thanks for having me, but I, I no, I did not get a chance to read it yet. I didn't even see this post until 
you guys mentioned it, I guess, right before we started uh, doing this podcast. So I see that he actually he posted it yesterday morning and being at a conference and I had my own epic post that I was working on in the last day or two. So I totally missed this, but um, I don't really want to comment on this post yet because I don't, I don't, I don't think it's fair to just kind of jump in without seeing it blind. But yeah. I can, you know, the one thing that you did pull out that one sentence, I can see where not only why he's saying that, but I can, I can see why some people would have that impression because I mean, yeah, I agree that it's been pretty uh, across the board that, hey, SharePoint hosted apps are cool and everything is really cool with this stuff. But, I mean, just take a look over at, like, the PNP stuff and almost every single thing in PNP is of all, like, the provisioning stuff and everything, almost 100% of it seems to be all provider-hosted stuff. So it does seem to me that the default thing that most solutions that come out of Microsoft, that they do seem to be file new project and it's always going to go with the provider-hosted and building something with ASP.NET MVC and not going with the client side piece. But I mean, it doesn't mean that one is better than the other one. I, I like the fact that we have the option to choose either one and, and we can we can go in either direction uh, if we want to build an add-in. Yeah, yeah. And I think this kind of guidance where it gives you the pros and cons of both is really useful when people are picking which way to go too, right? Yeah, agreed. Um, but th- this leads really well into our session. So welcome to the show, AC. I know you've been on a few times before, but... Um, you know, I suspect, you know, it's worth getting you back to talk about this new generator stuff for sure. Um, where are you? You're traveling too. Uh, yeah, I am in uh, the great city of Boston, a uh, city I absolutely love to just eat and drink my way through. Uh, but I'm up here for the SP TechCon conference that is, uh, that's going on this week. So I'll be here from, I guess I'll be here the entire week. You're doing a couple sessions, did a workshop yesterday and uh, it's been it's been a good show. I love I love this show. It's you know, a couple times a year, so it's it's fun. Are you um, going to your favorite Italian restaurant by any chance? I am going to try to. It's one of those places that you can't take more than four people, or you'll never get in. And of course, I think I've had about thirty that have tried to say, "Hey, are you going to your spot?" And I'm like, oh, "Jesus." So you know, <laughs> I would love to. We tried to kind of. There was three of us that tried to get in last night and weren't really interested in waiting for about an hour. So yeah. Maybe we'll see. It is. What's the name of the place again? I see. It's called Yakimos. It's in the North End. There's another one in Boston as well, but I like the one in the in the North End, and it's really good. And it's tiny, tiny little spot, but I, I it's a it's not a successful trip if I go to Boston and I don't at least stop in one night. Yeah, I must admit though, every time I've been with you, I end up in a food coma and can barely walk home. <laughs> and then we always carve off and get gelados as well, which t- tops it off. So by the time I get to the hotel room. I am ready to sleep. Oh yeah, the next morning I definitely have to go for a run because it's uh definitely pack on a few pounds there. Yeah, it's uh it's just certainly good food there. So we've got you on the show and it's very topical with what um, Sharps was writing about with kind of us preferring IIS and .NET and Visual Studio is that as we've been going out and talking to normal web developers outside of the Microsoft stack, um, not typically using Visual Studio. Uh, we, we found that although our APIs are there and essentially Office add-ins are a, a manifest file, which is an XML that you load into the add-in catalog in, in Office 365 and then like, points to a website which then runs within your task pane or your content pane or your mail add-in, without having all that scaffolding, that plumbing in play, if you don't have Visual Studio, it's, it's not that straightforward to do and isn't kind of great experience when you're trying to explain it in three minutes to use it to pitch it like you can do with Visual Studio File New Project. And so we went away and looked at a bunch of different ways of kind of reaching out to this field of developers. And we saw that there was an opportunity there to build a, a Yeoman generator 
to do this stuff with Office add-ins to start with, where, you know, whether I'm on a Mac or a, a Windows machine, I can, without Visual Studio 2013 or 2015, get everything I needed to essentially debug a, a very baseline of an Office add-in, whether it's Outlook, Word, PowerPoint, or Excel. Now, we kind of had a halfway house with this when we went to ng-conf, didn't we, Andrew? Like in terms of getting iOSX developers up and running with an Outlook or Excel add-ins. Yeah, yeah, we were. I mean, what we did, I guess, when we did this back in March of 2015, uh, we had a workshop that we were doing our hackathon, and we had a couple sample apps that we had built for them, an Excel add-in and a uh, Excel task pane add-in and an Outlook mail add-in. And both of them were built using Angular, and they both lived inside of both those uh, the web the web pieces and the offline uh, or in, the, in the, the client apps as well. But when you wanted to build one of these, uh, it's just like anything else it's that, you know, if you don't have a, in some editors, you don't have like a file new project um, experience. And so you just kind of pop open an editor, whether you're, you know, in a, whether you're in something like Visual Studio Code or Sublime or Atom or Brackets, and you're just starting to, you know, from file number one, and you just start typing everything out uh, from hand. There's nothing stubbed out for you. So uh, yeah, that's where this, this Yeoman generator is going to, I guess it's, you can kind of think of it as just replacing the file new project experience that you would normally get in Visual Studio. Yeah, so we've had that training content available. If you go to dev.office.com slash training and in the courses on the left-hand side, there's deep dive into Office 365 development on non-Microsoft stack. And we've got a few Angular kind of training videos and some hands-on labs there that you can follow. But yeah, it was a lot of hand rigging and a bunch of multiple steps to kind of get these things going that you kind of underestimate what Visual Studio is doing when you go file a new project, follow the wizard, and then click the F5 button. Um, you know, it's uploading that manifest file directly to the add-in catalog and it's bouncing up your browser, jumping into Office Online or jumping into the Office client and having the add-in ready to click, you know, insert in the ribbon to pick that thing up. So there was a bunch of things we take for granted in Visual Studio that... If you're doing this as a non-Visual Studio developer, it was a little bit tricky. And um, so, yeah, so the Yeoman generator is really kind of there to kind of help do a lot of that wizard scaffolding that Visual Studio does um, without necessarily needing it. But um, maybe for from that perspective, Rich, have you had any experience with Yeoman? Uh, so I, I have. Um, you know, I've done uh, a few things with it, but, you know, maybe for... I think some people may be able to pick up on it from the discussion, but for our maybe non, you know, people that are, are more of a Visual Studio developer, the idea behind Yeoman is, is you can go and find, you basically can go and search for different generators that create templates, if you will. So uh, I could go out there and I could find just maybe a, a core Angular template or maybe Angular with routing or... Um, you know, something like that, that, that is, has kind of a common setup where it might have uh, all the right script imports. It might have basically a, a nice full structure and it goes and generates that for me. So it'd be si similar. Well, I was going to say it'd be similar to express if you're a, a node guy, but if you're a node guy, you know, yeoman probably, but anyway, so that's the idea. It brings in a few terms. Like uh, this is a world that I, you know, we've not really been focused on because we've lived in this flow of visual studio, but I think the key one is, you know, as well as this yeoman generator, which is building the scaffolding to step back a bit in terms of acquiring yeoman and other packages that you need 
Um, you also be have to be familiar with NPM. So, um, Andrew, do you want to like maybe we start with NPM and then we jump to Yeoman and then we get into uh, what our generator does as well? Yeah, sure, I definitely do that. Uh, and just as a uh, as a bonus nugget, I guess for the listeners too, this is one of those things, one of those tools that you know you may have heard of Node, even if you're a .NET developer, and you may just kind of ignore it or you may pass up on it. This is it's not just a a programming language. It's not just or it's not just a a runtime to host JavaScript on the server. It's also a great way to acquire these really useful development tools. And so Yeoman is one of them. Yeoman is built on Node. So you first have to have Node installed, but then what you do when you install Node, you get this other thing called NPM, which is the Node Package Manager. And it's akin, it's very much like NuGet uh, that we have on like a standard Windows project or .NET project. Um, it's a package manager. There's a central repository. Every uh, package has an ID. And so you would just go to the command line and type in npm space install space and then the ID of the package. Just like when you would do uh, packages with NuGet in Visual Studio, you could use PowerShell and I think it's install dash package and then space, you give it the ID of the package. npm does the exact same thing. And so Yeoman is a, is a tool that's built on top of uh, Node. You can get it from npm. So you just go npm space install space yo as just y-o and you would install it globally and what that means is just that it doesn't install it in the current folder and installs it to where you can run yeoman from anywhere on your machine so then what you do is you then go get these different generators and so what yeoman does is it's just a generator execution environment so the generators they are also deployed to the public npm registry and they all have special names they all have to start with uh, generator dash what we have now is we have a generator that's called um, Office. And so you first go install Yeoman, as I explained a second ago, npm space install space yo-g, and then you install the generator. So then you could say npm space installs dash g space generator dash office. And once you do that, you then have the Yeoman generator to where now from the command line anywhere on your machine within a directory or in a folder, you can say yo space office, and it's going to ask you a bunch of questions. And so each one of those questions is going to be, it's going to ask you four questions, and uh, we have it ask you, what do you want to name the project? Do you want to create your office add-in in the folder you're currently in, or do you want to create it in a subfolder? So like if you had a place that you wanted to put it and it wasn't in the root, you could actually specify. And then it's going to ask you, what kind of an office add-in do you want to generate between mail task pane or content add-in. And then the last question, this is the neat one. This is the one that we're, where we start to kind of diverge from Visual Studio, where now we have the option to say, what kind of technology do you want to use? And today it's got uh, two options, just plain old HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And if you do that, you get the exact same template that you get, uh, or the exact same output for the most part that you get from Visual Studio when you create those templates. But the other option that we have is Angular. And so we set up a a pretty bare bones Angular app uh, using Angular 1.4.x that will then go through and it will pull down Angular from uh, using Bower, which is yet another package manager that basically is it's like NuGet. It would be a package manager just for client side scripts. So that's where I would get jQuery. That's where I would get um, Angular, and that's Bower is going to be is one of those tools that's actually supported in the latest version of Visual Studio. So that way that now I can use this little command line utility, answer a couple questions, and I can get an Office add-in either just with plain HTML or I can do it with uh, get one with Angular 
on any platform where I'm doing my development and use the, the output of that, uh, which is just going to go stub out and write out a bunch of files and fill up a bunch of um, placeholders in those different files that it's generating uh, with the values that I entered. Like it's going to generate a new, a new GUID for the ID. It's going to generate the, the name, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to build the name in a way that, that is going to work inside of the, um, the generator so, or it's going to work inside of the, the manifest. Then you just go through and open up the uh, open up the files that have been generated using your editor of choice, whatever that is, like even Visual Studio Code or Sublime or something. Yeah, and, and that's really neat. And it's introduced a bunch of things. So it's introduced the fact that you need Node on your machine. So go to Node.js.org and do that download, which you, then means you get the NPM Packet Manager, which is a new thing, similar to NuGet, to then pull down not just the Yeoman generator itself, but then also the generator-office, which is the thing that we've built and open-sourced on GitHub. And then that's even going to use the Bower package manager to pull down some other components into your scaffold that you've created once you run the generator instance um, as a one-off. Now, one of the things, as I learned and ran through this stack, is that when I was doing this on OS X, and I believe you had this problem, Rich, as well, is if you don't install NPM correctly, it can get in all sorts of kooky ways where when you open up your command prompts and try and run npm install it doesn't put it in the right places so that when you try and call yo space office or yo space angular it it won't run rich i use john popper's blog for that which i'll add in the show notes how did you get around your issue you know i don't i don't remember the specific blog i ran across but um it was kind of the same story i just did some searches and quickly found that you know, running super user sudo on everything is <laughs> wasn't the the right approach, and so <laughs> I, I took some time to get it installed correctly, and and was off to the races from then on. Yeah, John Puppers did a good job of like unraveling any of that stuff that he had done with sudo, and allowed you then to kind of install it in a way that didn't completely confuse the the environment, which is nice. Yeah, the, what what happens there, what's going on with that is that when you install it by default, what, what the Node installer is going to do is it puts Node um, and NPM it's going to put that stuff in a shared place on your on your main drive. So you know whether it's your main volume on OS X or it's going to be your your up in a highly privileged place inside of Windows. And because when you install these modules and you install them globally, um, they're going to go in this shared place where any user can take advantage of them. And when you do that on OS X, it's outside of your user profile directory. And so if you're going to do any kind of try and install anything in that folder, you have to do it as the equivalent on Windows is like run as administrator. And that's what that sudo utility is. And so what what you want to do or what the what a, a technique is that a lot of people do, and like that John did and I'm, you know, that, that, that you did too, Richard, I did the same thing, is that you install you install node but you tell it to install it without npm and then you go set up a folder inside of your profile directory on your development machine and then install npm in that profile directory so that you don't need to run as administrator because you're installing something into your profile folder so and you already have permission to that because you're logged in as that user so that's how it's that's how it's helping us get around that stuff it just kind of gets around the whole concept of run as admin yeah so one of the things i think is important is you know we're doing a lot of talk about osx and we'll probably get back to that maybe a little bit but uh, I think it's important. Jeremy mentioned that you know Bower is now supported in Visual Studio, so that's really the preferred way in the new Visual Studio to do client side imports. So if you wanted Bootstrap or Angular, that's really the approach. Is you should create a Bower JSON file and and have that pull it in. But really, all of this 
can be done on a on a, a Windows PC, right? I can I can certainly have Node installed. I can run Yeoman. I can do all those things. And actually, if I wanted to build a, a really cool Office add-in that already had a nice Angular scaffolding set up, that might be a decent approach. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, I think that I would say the primary use for the for the generator here that it would probably be someone that is is going to already is going to be on OSX or who do, does not have access to Visual Studio because you could I guess you could probably make an argument for if you've got Visual Studio then why would you want to use something else to build this up but I mean you're right that you know one of the things that this does have that the Yeoman generator does build for us is the Angular scaffolding for uh, doing an add-in and if any of the listeners have actually built something using Angular. There is a, a, a thing when you're using Angular in, as, a, as the uh, presentation framework for your Office add-in, you normally are used to bootstrapping an Angular app, all the samples and everything. They all show you how to do it one way, which is using that data-ng-app directive on a, on a tag inside of your HTML, usually the body tag. That doesn't work when you're doing an Office add-in. And the reason is that there's a kind of a race condition that goes between Angular and the Office.js file that are loading at the same time, and they essentially clobber each other. And so there's a trick when you're doing Office add-ins where you have to, the hosting Office application is going to call this function off the Office object uh, called initialize. And that, that, that function has to be executed in complete execution within five seconds of loading the app. If it doesn't, then it thinks that the Office client app says, oh, well, this add-in is broken. So instead of the user getting a bad experience, I'm just going to give them a little yellow screen of death that says, hey, sorry, this add-in is having problems. So to get that to work, you actually have to bootstrap it through code when you create the app inside of your the first, when you create the first module for your Angular app. And that's really where the benefit of this, um, of the generator is going to come in. It's, it's going to build out that code for you. But it also has the Bower package file that's going to tell your application, you know, here's all the different client-side libraries you want to pull down. So it, it does have use inside Visual Studio. And, you know, today the generator doesn't build things like the Visual Studio solution file or the project file. So you'd have to go create a new empty project in Visual Studio and then kind of maybe copy these files in. But that's always something that, you know, it depends on, you know, where the community kind of wants to take it. We can always go through and add something like that down the road. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that, um, you know, strikes me I, I have a lot of like smaller, I have way too many devices. I'll just put it that way. I have a lot of like little small tablets and, um, you know, some of those don't have the biggest processor. So on those types of machines, it, it might still be a PC, but I'm not going to go install Visual Studio. So I guess where I saw it was, hey, this is a maybe a nice little thing for me to to be able to kind of doodle around, uh, maybe on a flight or something like that, where... Um, I don't want to pull out a, a bigger device, but I still want to, you know, do some cool client-side development. You know, it, it certainly is something that I could uh, take advantage of there. Yeah, and I think the testament to where we went to the NG Conf and showed like how to build a mail add-in and and you know with the existing skill sets of Angular and how quickly they could take their Angular skills and build an Office add-in um, because essentially it's just an iframing their website and they call like the context of the Office client through the Office JS JavaScript libraries. So really, we're just kind of creating that scaffolding to make it a lot easier for them to to do it in an environment they're familiar with as a web dev. And again, without that overhaul of what you get with uh, having to download Visual Studio and immediately means you need Windows, you know, which is four and a half gig or whatever it is, and then 
wait three hours for it to install. So the kind of the getting started experience is a lot quicker. And as you mentioned before, Rich, you know, this isn't just for OS Exit. I've got this running in a command prompt right now on a Windows machine as well. And the folder it generates, you can right click on the white space in File Explorer and uh, click open, open with code and it'll open you in Visual Studio Code, which is a, you know, a, a 50 meg download and the three minute install. So getting up to speed and being on a lightweight little device is great. But, you know, just to not defend Visual Studio, but to explain where this, where we're targeting with this generator is, is that you get a lot more with Visual Studio. Um, that is a full-blown IDE uh, where you know the dig debugging experience is is solid there. We are looking when talking to the Visual Studio Code guys about how we could add debugging to Office add-ins in Visual Studio Code because it is the Monaco editor which is what's actually used in Napa, for instance, which is the browser version of the Office add-in editor that we've demoed on stage a fair amount as another way of getting started very quickly. But um, the feedback we had from Napa was well. I'm a web developer. I like to be on my file system. I don't like to be in a browser, which to be quite frank is my opinion on that stuff as well. Like it's great as a demo or a power user tool, but uh, web developers like being able to check their code into GitHub, which you can't do from a Napper environment. And therefore you're kind of either on the file system with Visual Studio Code or another IDE like Brackets, or you're in Visual Studio 2013 or 2015 and, and coding up a storm with Office add-ins in that way. It is a good distinction, too, on the debugging side, because one thing that, that Visual Studio Code does not provide today is um, client-side debugging. It only does debugging for Node.js, and it does debugging for the core CLR, ASP.NET 5 stuff that we can do on, on OSX, and it does that through using Mono. So, I mean, Visual Studio is a, is a full-blown IDE, and to me, I mean, I really look at that, like that, that Yeoman and this Yeoman generator specifically for Office um, as really being like the primary target. That's going to be for, you know, when you don't have Visual Studio, when you just have a text editor where you're going to do your development, you know, as to each their own. Some people want to use Visual Studio. Some people either don't want to use Visual Studio, like, you know, Rich was saying, great experience if you're on a, t if you're on a tablet. But there are some people who can't use Visual Studio because like you're on OS X. You know, one of the other things, too, that, the, that we did with the generator that I think is, I, I really like this one, is that, you know, one of the challenges you have when you're building a Office add-in is that uh, Office add-ins will only be loaded by the Office client if it's being served up from an HTTPS endpoint. And, um, you know, that in Visual Studio, that's a piece of cake because it does the whole self-signed cert and everything for you. That was a little more tricky on OS X. I mean, I know, Jeremy, you, you felt the pain pretty bad with me back in... March, we were trying to get that working for the Angular conference. But what we did is there's a, we actually created a, there's a gulp file um, where we use the build engine or the, the task runner engine gulp. And there's a task that's actually created and added to it where it will run a local web server, static web server for you uh, using gulp for your add in to host it on HTTPS. Uh, and it even includes the self-signed cert for you. You're just going to have to take that self-signed cert and add it as a trusted authority on your on your machine, whether that be OS X or Windows. And from there, then your machine will, um, whenever you go to the command line and type in gulp space static dash serve, it'll fire up your add-in into on the local host where you can then test it uh, in any of these different office client apps. And I mean, that's, that's really cool. Even when your Visual Studio Code can run the gulp tasks. And so it's easy to, uh, I know when I was when I was trying this thing out and playing with it, I just set it up to where in Visual Studio Code I could hit F5 and was firing off the web server and opening up a browser and I could 
then plug in the URL for wherever my Excel add-in was and just start, you know, working away with it right away. So it was, it's pretty slick. It's done, came together pretty good. Yeah. And so the, the gulp thing, literally another, you know, gulp, Bauer, Yeoman, NPM, Node, like there's a lot of different things being thrown around here. And it's a, a world that, you know, I'll put my hand up and say, I wasn't familiar with being a SharePoint guy or an office guy because we were kind of so tied previously to technologies like ASP.NET and um, the .NET framework and Visual Studio. So I think the big thing that I talked about in my keynote last week in Seattle was from a career development perspective and you know from a personal development perspective, understanding the web development world and getting out of your comfort zone of SharePoint is really important. And, and there's by no means is SharePoint development or office development as we know it going away in Visual Studio and .NET development is not going in, away at all. But I think it's just, if, if, you, if you're in this space and you don't understand that tech, I think more and more it's going to be almost like a mandate requirement that, um, you know, to Eric Shops's post around client-side development, you, you're going to have to walk into an interview knowing this stuff. Otherwise, you're going to be losing out on, on roles and, and projects because you don't understand um, this technology. And so this is a great way in um, if you're already familiar with Office add-ins. Now, you know, there, there's directions for both, um, whether you're in this generator world or in Visual Studio 2015, 2013 world. But I just think it's a great way of understanding how all these components work together. And, um, you know, it's very straightforward. I must admit, though, the, the biggest thing for me was where I've been in IDE so long and just clicking on icons and right-clicking on icons and selecting commands to having a black screen with a flashing cursor, it can be pretty intimidating. I initially started using GitHub in an IDE and I, I found myself, as I've got more comfortable with what Git is and commits and pulls and clones and syncs and all sorts in the UI, I'm much more comfortable now in running everything command line uh, as well. And I, I think... With the Yeoman generator as it stands being command line, no UI, that it, it is making me force myself to kind of get more comfortable in that space of being in the command line. I'm not relying so much on an IDE with with wizards. And when you go to these hackathons and you see how Angular devs work, uh, you know that that's really how they've lived and how they've experienced it in the first place. So sometimes kind of having everything fed to you on a silver spoon is good, but often you don't understand what's going on in the covers. And, and so having this approach it really does highlight what, what's going on and how it all hangs together. The nice thing too about those different tools, I mean, it's not like you, with between Gulp and Bower and NPM and all that stuff, to me, I think the, just the neat thing is, is that you're, if you're not paying attention to that stuff, you're not looking at it, if you're, if you're a traditional ASP.NET developer that uses uh, Visual Studio, it's not that you're, you know, falling behind or anything, but I mean, the, the tools and, and the flexibility, the frequency of how fast these tools are being are being popped out by the community and adopted by the community and, and being improved. I mean, you're you're missing out on some really great tech that can that make that can make you so much more productive. I've absolutely loved this world since diving into it a year or so ago. Yeah, and so this generator, the Omen generator, generator dash office is available right now. If you go to npmjs.com, you can actually see it there, or you can just use the npm package manager in the command line and just do an install dash g generate attached office and it'll pull it down and then you'll immediately better just go yo space office and you'll get asked the questions and it'll scaffold up your project now there are a few more phases we're going through this is really building the scaffolding for the projects so this is the equivalent of the phone new project in visual studio and getting to the point where all your files are there and they're configured ready to go now you can use the um, gulp 
serve dash static to then run up the local host in an SSL cert uh, with a self-signed SSL cert to kind of have that website running. But there are a few other manual steps that we have to do right now, which you get for three in Visual Studio, which is when you have five, it'll upload your manifest file for you. And then it will launch your browser window in context of either Outlook Online or Word Exchange or PowerPoint Online and have that add-in kind of living in that context. So that's something that we're looking to do. Maybe, AC, do you want to share what we've been discussing about how we're going to approach that moving forward? You know, you can always go through and upload it manually. That's always that's always an option. So you're never stuck. But I know one of the other things that we're looking to do is that we're looking to have a, like a command line way of being able to... Um, upload something to the app catalog in an Office 365 tenant so that you could more easily add that add-in to Excel or Word or any of the different Office clients. And so if you look over, you know, over on the Azure side, the Azure guys, there's ways, there's, you know, basically three ways to manage Azure. You can do it through one of the web, one of the two web portals that they have. There is a PowerShell interface, and then they have something called the cross-platform command line interface or the, the Azure CLI. And uh, I guess the best way to say it is that you know it would be great to have an Office CLI that could do the same kind of thing. We've got PowerShell commandlets for Office, but it'd be great to have a cross-platform tool to do that too. And so there's going to be uh, be able to just go on your command line, and after you it would be it's built on Node, it's uh, deployed using npm, and you would just be able to type in Office space login, and you'd log into 365, and then. Um, you can imagine something like, say, office tenant, give it the name of your tenant, and then give it something like, say, upload add-in manifest, and then give it the, the path to the manifest, and it would upload it to that tenant's app catalog for you. And so um, when you put all that stuff together, I mean, you know, I'm sure that you could take with Gulp, we could build a, a task with Gulp to where when you hit F5, not only would it fire up the web server, but it would take that manifest and call the command line interface and upload it to the app catalog and start running. And when the task would stop, it could take it back down and delete the add-in from the app catalog. So uh, it could really make it a as much closer to what we have with the F5 style deployment testing, debugging, and shutting down we have in Visual Studio. And we theoretically, we could get there with this whole command line interface and the Yeoman generator that we have in Visual Studio, with Visual Studio Code as well. Yeah, and so that's some stuff we're going to be working on in the future. But as I say, as it stands, you can jump on that now and it will scaffold you up. And then the only other step you'd have to do is manually upload that manifest to your add-in catalog in either Exchange or SharePoint, depending on whether you've got an Outlook add-in or whether you've got a Word, PowerPoint, Excel add-in. And you're off to the races in being able to kind of go in and insert the add-in and, and run it there locally. And the nice thing is, is that you can change your code in your editor and just refresh or reload the add-in and it will immediately show that change without having to close down the browser and go again. So it's a really ni- nice way of kind of being able to build in a lightweight editor on a machine that really just needs a browser and somewhere to save your files. So um, we're really looking for feedback on this. We are going to go and pilot this at a bunch of hackathons that are coming up. Uh, TechCrunch Disrupt in San Francisco is next month. We're going to be there um, with a vengeance there and at the Dev Intersections conference in Amsterdam, um, as well as the SharePoint Europe conference in Stockholm as well in November. Um, to find out where we are with the hackathons, if you go to dev.office.com slash hackathons or click on the hackathons link on the homepage, you'll see what's listed there. And if you are attending those conferences and want to be part of those hackathons, if you click on the see details link, you'll jump over into the devpost.com site 
where we're actually going to be running that and doing public voting on what gets hacked on. And the uh, Dev Intersections one's pretty cool. We've got Scott Hanselman, Richard Campbell from the .NET Rock Show, Phil Hack from uh, GitHub.com, and Christian Weyer from ThinkTecture um, over in Europe, who will be judging those hackathons at Dev Intersections as well. Um, so it's going to be pretty cool to see what people are building on those things. And, you know, we are already focusing those hackathons on Office add-ins and we're hoping that people jump on board. And, you know, they can use the Yeoman generator or they could use Visual Studio depending on how their environments are, are configured. But as we've realized, turning up at these events, we can't just make the assumption that everyone's in Visual Studio. One of the questions we get here is, how comes we focused on Office add-ins? And, and um, obviously with Visual Studio catering for SharePoint add-ins as well. SharePoint add-ins will come. There's a little bit more complexity there with the notion of an app package, which essentially we're going to be looking at doing something like what in the good old days Carsten Koopman did with WSP Builder, where we have to manually use MakeCab to go and create the um, the package that then gets pushed up to to SharePoint. Um, but that, that but we really thought that it was easier to try and bite off Office add-ins because it's simply a manifest XML file that we have to upload and then a website running somewhere. Um, so that was kind of just once that one around SharePoint. And then the other kind of main extensibility point we have is standalone Office 365 web apps. And in Visual Studio, we have the ad-connected service wizard, which will kind of pull in the right ADL libraries and go get me a client ID in secret and store it in my web project. That is something else we're looking at doing via the Azure CLI um, and maybe some tricks in the Office CLI as well, where we'll be able to pull in the adol.js libraries into the Office add-in and, and call those Office 365 APIs to get to the OneDrive for Business files or get to your user's calendar, but from directly within an Office add-in. So those are the things we're looking to do, extend this um, to be kind of just outside of Office add-ins as well. And so, you know, keep an eye on the generator in NPM and follow the GitHub project to see as changes come through. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning, we've targeted static HTML, JavaScript scaffolding, and um, an Angular framework-based Office add-in as well. And what you will notice is, is those structured project scaffolds are quite different from Visual Studio project scaffolding. And the, the main reason for that is that we've taken a lot of feedback from the community on maybe that what Visual Studio is generating is not quite as um, up to standard as, as you'd expect. For instance, uh, home CSS and app CSS and home JS and app JS all get kind of referenced in the um, the home.html file that gets created. And so we're just trying to optimize on how those projects are scaffolded out. And again, if you feel like what is being created by the generator needs improving, feel free to submit an issue with your recommendation in the GitHub project or you know submit a pull request with um, the enhancements there too. And I know that Rich, being the expert now in Python and Ruby and PHP, you're going to have some time, right, Rich, to build out the scaffolding for these other project types. Absolutely. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> now, we discussed this a bit, AC, as well, right? We we were on the fence about whether we need uh, to select by language there or framework, because technically, if I'm running PHP or Python or Ruby, really, it's the same code. It's just the file extension will change from being .html to a different file um, extension, whatever the language is running. Right, yeah. I mean, because they're just really all it's doing, all the generator does is it's just copying files from a template that we that we can define ahead of time. And it just puts them in the location that we wanted to put them in. So you really are not limited to 
to any kind of technology. It's just that we just chose the HTML and Angular as the two as the two starting points. Yeah, but if someone wanted to go ahead and contribute a Ruby template or a PHP one, they could go in there and do that. Yeah, just I guess the best way to do it is just to go. There's a uh, the project is up on Office Dev uh, in a repo, just as a generator dash Office repository, and uh, just fork the project and kind of see the way it's it's currently done and just follow the same uh, guidelines and stuff um, that we currently have, I guess, to make sure that things stay consistent. Uh, and then you could just we could roll it in, submit a PR with uh, submit a pull request to get it. Uh, added in on the next time we we go through and we push this guy out to uh, to npm. I guess the only thing that we would, you know, the only thing that I would I would hope people would do is to make sure that you when you submit your pull request, submit it to the uh, to the dev branch. So we might want to go through and have a, a contributors a um, little bit of documentation for contributors so that they can see the guidelines that we want them to follow to add to this. You know, I think the what you guys have started with makes the most sense just because when we're talking about office add-ins, you know the all the interop that occurs in an office add-in today is primarily done client side. Now, if you're doing stuff with like open XML, you're probably going to want to do some things server side, but I'd say most of the scenarios lend themselves to a client side scenario, maybe client side with some services. And so, you know, I think that makes sense. I think some of the other ones, you know, I think it would be interesting to have, you know, maybe generators that maybe have, you know, some of the, like key modules pre-installed. So if I'm doing a node project and I want to connect to the Office 365 APIs, maybe something that brings in like ADAL for node or, you know, another framework for working with OAuth or something like that. So, you know, I, I'm certainly open to, you know, whatever the community feels like we need and uh, we'll, we'll see if we can't get it done. So, yeah, so I guess the, you know, the action, call to action here is, you know, go and play with it, npm install dash G, generator dash office and then just type yo office and have a look at it get the um the gulp serve dash static to run your website up and add the manifest to your catalog and you're all in and um, we'd love to get your feedback on that experience you know it'd be nice to get some feedback before we go to TechCrunch and get out in front of that audience so if you are already an office add-in developer and you've been playing in visual studio but want to see what this experience is like. Um, it definitely like to hear from you guys, um, either through kind of the Yammer network or um, through the issues on the, the GitHub repo for sure. Was there anything else you wanted to mention, AC, before we close out today? Yeah, I think it's just like you said, just um, go take a look at it. Go go, you know, run it and take a look, see how it looks. I mean, you know, there's, there's things too that, that people can take a look at in the repository that's up on GitHub that we do have a docs folder in there so that before you run it, if you're like, well, what does this thing build? Uh, there are a few pages in there that do show you that if you're going to create HTML or Angular versions of each one of these three different add-ins, um, there are six pages in there that do show you an output of what the results are going to be so that it's very predictable. So you don't have to go run this and say, like, what is it going to put on my file system? Go take a look. It's all right there. It's pretty easy to see the files and the folder structure that's going to be generated so you can see if it, if it, if it works for you or not. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate you jumping on the show when you're traveling, Rich and AC. Uh, enjoy the rest of SP TechCon and enjoy evangelizing down in San Francisco, Rich. With the re- it's not just Office that you're doing there, right? It's other technologies as well. Uh, it's really around Microsoft's all-up API vision, but it has a pretty high concentration on Office. That's cool. Sweet. Well, um, next week, we've got some more surprises for the show, which I will not disclose right now but um we've got a few weeks of rolling in on and different things that are coming out so i'm really excited to 
start sharing these things and get the world all pumped for what we're doing around the office dev experience. So um, enjoy the rest of your weeks, guys. And again, please engage with us on the Yammer Network, Twitter Networks. And um, a few people have reached out about the, um, the swag boxes. Um, so definitely email me if you're interested in those things. And um, yeah, we'll uh, speak to you next week. Thanks. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of our other podcasts and all of our amazing resources. You can also check here for more information on our developer program where you can get a one-year, three developer tenant to stop building against the Office 365 platform. We're always here to chat with you on the Office 365 technical network on aka.ms slash office365devpodcastjam. Or you can follow us on Office Dev on both Twitter and Facebook. So until next week, guys, get coding.